Oh, blimey. We're live, I think. Hello. Chat's going crazy. Oh, my that, God. They're going wild. Behave, chat. Talking. All clearly drawn here by this terribly interesting topic. Maps in games. I love maps. What's What was on your mind that makes you want to talk about maps, Marty? Oh, I forgot <laughs> um, to say. I forgot to mention, actually. Uh, this is slightly something else. And I'm Yardsey, and that's Marty. Okay, well, that's it. Carry on. We did it. Uh, I've been playing a lot of games lately, new games and old games, that uh, either have uh, really good maps, really bad maps, or no maps in general. And there was a lot of the a lot of conversation, obviously, people still, still talking about... Um, Starfield and a lot of the conversation was I heard people being like we get to these big cities and then we run around and I don't know where the hell I'm going because um because there's no like in-depth map in there and so yeah. that got me thinking like what well like what's what's the deal with maps in games do we like maps in games how do we like them utilized do all games need maps and there's a lot of a lot of places we can go with that well for me it depends on the game and mm-hmm. that's going to come up a lot I think yeah like uh, in some games, filling out the map is one of the main activities. You've been playing yeah. Symphony of the Night, I hear. Yeah, yeah, and that is uh, that is that is a lot of that is is charting your own course through. The yes, map. The, a very core part of that game is filling the mm-hmm. map out, and in a lot of Metroidvanias, excepting things like Hollow Knight, that has his whole whole separate approach to map making, which we should probably oh, talk about we'll separately. Talk about that, yeah. Uh, I was also playing the System Shock remake fairly recently, and that's another game that basically feels like filling out the map. Mm-hmm. And then uh, once you've done that, figuring out where you're supposed to go. Yeah. And we talk and I, all the time about the open world games where they just kind of vomit things on the map, and you're like, there's no there's no fun here. This is just a chore list of things to do throughout I think this digital that's, world. I think that's bad maps uh, mm-hmm. when it goes hand in hand with the chore list of the standard Ubisoft sandbox model. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ubisoft have tried to combat uh, these sort of aspects of that game, basically just being drop a point on the map and then go to it. Uh, they tried yeah. to combat it in games like Assassin's Creed Odyssey by having the optional sort of slightly more deductive approach to map. Yeah, yeah. Or instead of giving you the objective marker, they just say, hey, the objective marker is somewhere in this area. And then you go there and, objective, and you send your eagle out to scout. And then yeah. an objective marker appears. So really, it's just the same thing with, with extra steps. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because you bring up Ubisoft, but Ubisoft, like you can't talk about maps in modern games without talking about Ubisoft because the sort of the, the tower system that they um, hmm. implemented in Far Cry so- 3, Assassin's Creed sort of broke the industry, right? <laughs> like just became the de facto way to do maps and uncovering maps in yeah. For a while, they'd sort of pioneered uh, the map uncovering sort of sandbox, like in Final Fantasy. I thought that was really clever. I re- at, at first, I thought that was really clever. I like the idea of these sort of bases being like uh, missions that you had to go in, you had to infiltrate, you had to kill the guys, get mm. to the top of something. And we were still at a point where there was kind of a thrill of seeing like, oh, look, I can get up here and look at all the shit I can see around me. And, and, and here's more of the map at your disposal as a gift. But later on, there was sort of a backlash against that. And there were, uh, especially from like Assassin's Creed Origins onwards, they started leading towards just giving you the map from the start. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's it really kinda, was just a boring. checklist. Yeah. Kind of kind of boring. And I think some people like that, but definitely uh, not me. And I'm, I'm pretty sure not you. I mean, um, a, yeah, a mechanic that fills out areas of the map as you go 
They weren't the first to do that. A Symphony of the Night does that, even. Yeah. You can yeah, find it, maps it, that it, uh, reveal the maps you haven't been to yet with uh, mm-hmm. in grey. Yeah, yeah. And it, uh, it does some of the work of... Um, sort of like creating a legend in, in its cartography of being like, well, red mm. squares mean save rooms and orange squares mean uh, warp rooms. And then that kind of thing uh, evolved a lot of times with Metroidvanias where certain colors and certain things would denote, oh, this was an, un- an impassable obstacle that you have to come back once you get the hook shot or the double mm. jump or whatever, the certain key. Um, it's interesting to think like maps. When I think of maps, a lot of times when we do these topics, I kind of mentally go back to the beginning and I'm like, what were what were maps when I was a kid? What were maps um, like in the 80s and 90s? And it feels like it started with physical maps, right? It started with literally instruction mm. booklets or or pamphlets you'd pull out in in your Zeldas or your Ultimas or, or don't even forget the Alders Gate. Don't forget tea towel maps. What does tea towel maps mean? Well, games like Ultima, they used to bring out cloth maps, which were basically oh, tea like towels. Oh, literally in cloth. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I remember having the uh, Ultima Five tea towel map. Yeah, I've never heard them called. Why? What are you, like tea towel? Is that like literally a towel to like wipe up tea if you spill tea? Yeah. Well, uh, I just quite call them tea towels. What what would you call them in the U.S.? You know, just like the kitchen towels that you hang off the. Oh, oven. okay, the ones that are yeah, kind of small, like washcloths, like, almost. Yeah, dish yeah. towels, if you like. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, um, yeah, in some, it, it some games, like especially in really retro times, you'd just have to draw the map yourself. Yeah, and uh, um, some, I remember doing that in, like, the original Metroid and kind of, like... Some people enjoy that. I remember playing uh, Silent Hill Downpour, and mm-hmm. you're supposed to find the maps to show uh, yes. the layout of the place, but I, for some reason I just missed it. So I actually, at one point, drew my own map of some streets that I was in, and I, I actually that. found myself thinking, I'm really enjoying this. I'm really yeah. enjoying having to use my own intelligence to map out the area. And similarly, I've enjoyed games where uh, they give you a map, but there's also a certain amount of work on your part you have to do. Yep, same. Uh, and there's that kind of like diegetic nature of yeah. uh, your character is jotting down notes and sort yeah. of filling in details on the map as you discover things throughout the game. Best example for that is probably the Thief games, which mm-hmm. would give you like a sort of hastily scribbled map that some fence had given you in some backstreet tavern and it would like indicate the vague area where you were uh, and that was all you had to go on yeah and uh, then like what would you would you be able to the more exploration you did would you be able to fill that in more with like things you've discovered not usually in some in some levels garrett would like add extra notes to the map Mm-hmm. Well, it makes me think of. Um, do you ever play Firewatch? Yeah, I have. Uh, I have Firewatch and and Miasmata written down as games that have like a tangible map your character has, and you kind of have to yeah. do a little bit of surveying. Well, when you play Firewatch, by default, it does the thing where it indicates your position on the map, and I mm-hmm. quickly deduced that uh, if I deactivated that feature, which gratifyingly the game lets you do, the game would suddenly become much more interesting. For one thing, it would yeah. become an actual game. And not a walking yeah. simulator. Hey, sudden, bite your tongue. Because suddenly you had to orienteer. You had to work off of uh, compass directions and uh, landmarks. And it yeah. became a lot more interesting for me. Yeah, and it uh, that's when you start putting kind of the, the level design and the art direction through the ringer. And I think mm. in a game like Firewatch, it probably holds up because it has really strong 
really strong art design, really strong like sort of skyboxes and views and silhouettes that um, hint at what's over the hill. And oh, I could tell the lake is there because there's fire coming up from the kids who are throwing a party on the lake and everything. So mm. um, whereas in other games, I feel like if you tried to do that in sort open worlds, they're kind of designed around giving you all the information. And mm. so you can't really deduce that information yourself. A lot of open um, worlds are just sort of, they feel like they just sort of hash them out with algorithms. So it's all like very samey scenery everywhere you go. And there's not so much landmark usage yeah. to yeah. orient yourself. You uh, you mentioned drawing maps. And I saw someone in chat already brought it up. Uh, Daddy Senpai-chan. Uh, the Etrian Odyssey series, which is also the Persona Q games that were for the DS and 3DS. Ah, uh, yes. Um, they were first-person dungeon crawlers on the top screen, and on the bottom screen was ostensibly uh, like grid paper. And you would use the stylus to literally each floor you were on, you would be drawing out the map, and you would have different you know icons you could use. You could make notes, but you would sort of have to you know survey each floor as you as you go through it. And these are where enemies are. These are where treasures were. Because unless you do that, you're probably just going to get lost because you know they're they feel like mazes. Um, That's pretty. Cool. But I really loved. I like really got into the idea of like that is like that was half of the enjoyment of those games to me was like starting out the maps and like you feel really good when you do it by the end yeah i like games that leave it a bit of admin to you i like yeah. uh making drawing my own little icons on like the maps in something like zelda phantom hourglass yeah to indicate where we were supposed to go next yeah i like being having an in-game method of jotting down my thoughts as opposed to like i have to use one of these things like even you know well well i guess chance of Sonar is a game that got brought up or that I was thinking of with this too, because it has no map, which mm. I think was fine when I was playing and it's kind of broken up into um, levels. And if I'm playing the level in one sitting, it was fine. But when I would leave a level and then come back a few days later, I'd be like, I have no idea where anything was in this place. Well, it doesn't uh, take too long to explore. Although, yeah, I was annoying when I got to like the last stage of the game where you had to go back uh, to all the and, like teleport doors and find, yeah. the, find the hidden purple doors. Yeah, I, I, took like a, log. I took like a three or four day break in the, I think it was the second, the second level with like the observatory. Um, mm. And then when I came back to it, I was like, I don't remember where any of the shit was. Um, well, that's which was the tough. danger. I that mean, is the danger. Yeah. I mean, um, one could make a high minded statement to the effect that if a game had really good map design, you'd never need a map. And of course, it's, yeah. it's a bit of a faux pas for, for example, Souls likes to have maps because there's mm -hmm. the sort of expectation of them being able to ape the wonderful level design of Dark Souls. Yep. Uh, where you can just uh, keep a mental map and it all sort of comes around in itself. And the scenery is so uh, uh, carefully laid out that once you can like go, you can unlock a shortcut and go through it and instantly think, ah, yes, I remember this place. And yeah. I think a lot of like imitator Souls likes... Uh, follow the uh, philosophy of not having a map because it's a sort of expectation of the genre at this point. Mm -hmm. Although I feel like there are some Souls-like games that probably have benefited from mapping, at least in some areas of it. Yeah, but then sometimes the map becomes kind of a mess. Like, uh, I would say Jedi Fallen Order. It Like, trying to convey a 3D space with a lot of verticality in a 3D map... Yeah 
and you you get into that thing and you're like this is a mess like i don't oh, know yeah, what i'm looking at yeah. like this is yeah it's uh, imagine trying to map out blight town in dark souls one exactly like that's i i i mean maybe that's one of the reasons they just didn't in dark souls because they were like this is going to be terrible if we do but also yeah. dark souls was uh miyazaki is on record as saying he was heavily inspired by the uh, world and level design of eco and eco is a mm. game uh without a map but uh uh by the end of it, you know where everything in the castle is because every time you enter an area, there are views of places you've been already and mm. places you are going to be. So was, you look down and you see a yeah. courtyard from later and you look up and you see a tower you're going to go to next. And when you get to the top of that tower, you could see the bridge you were on beforehand. And it's really smartly designed. I can certainly see that influence in Dark Souls. Yeah. Uh, it's very yeah. big on letting you see in the skybox the place you're heading to next but maybe yeah. not so much dark souls too yeah not so much that's pretty much just uh old mister go spokes. up and go up an elevator in a windmill and suddenly you're in a volcano yeah it's one of those yeah it's fine um yeah it's interesting that they then you know they they sort of shirked that with elden ring which makes sense because it's a big open world thing but um Elden Ring has the neat trick uh, when I think of like recent maps and games of that first moment um, in Elden Ring when you open a chest and you're uh, accidentally like transported halfway across the world. And then yeah. like when I went to like the Bestial Sanctum or to Khaled and I would open up the map and zoom out and be like, holy shit, A, I didn't know the map was this big and B, where am I? Where am I and how yeah. do I get home? There's, a, there's an interesting little Bear Grylls little thrown in the deep end little moments yeah aren't they? yeah and you can't just tell it you can't teleport until you get to like the next site of grace and so it's yeah. like this like really risky like oh man i'm just gonna run past all these scary spider dudes and try to get to the to the safe point it helps uh, it helps stop it breaks up the flow of go to a new place keep filling out the map until you reach a dead mm -hmm. end then go to another place you haven't fully mapped out yeah yeah etc which is sort of the symphony of the night approach you uh you mentioned silent hill earlier and that got me thinking mm. uh how a lot of horror games do maps and a lot of them do that you know the sort of the diegetic map silent hill you got the the map and you'll if you go to a place he'll sort of scratch in what it is resident evil has like maps you need to find in rumpus rooms for the floor because sure sometimes mm. mansions have maps inside of them uh well how do you feel about like uh sort of maps and, and didn't amnesia the bunker have those sort of set maps as well like, but amnesia, they were kind of amnesia the like, bunker had one map that was it's oh, like glued to a wall and in gotcha, the safe gotcha. room and uh you just have to remember it didn't uh dead rising do a similar thing where it was like the actual like mall like the kiosks at a mall that would show you where you were and those were the maps in the game i struggle to remember yeah, I think it was like, you know how malls have those little things where like, you yeah, are yeah. here, and here's a map of the mall, and so you couldn't like take it with you, but you could, you know, if there weren't zombies munching on you, you could find one and take a look at it to kind of orient yourself. Amnesia the Bunker's approach was uh, pretty good. Um, for horror, certainly, uh, you have to like, uh, where you have to, the, pl the player has to know where, vaguely where to go, but if they have a constant understanding of where they are, uh, then it lessens the horror. In Silent Hill, especially Silent Hill 2, where you constantly have a map and you're constantly bringing it up. Well, I guess that works for me because I love Silent Hill 2 so much. Yeah, but, yeah um, but do you think constantly bringing it up takes you out of the experience? Like, if you spend half of your time in a map, is that, like, bad design or is that sort of, like... No, I think uh, it works because a lot of Silent Hill's environment design is based around very systematically trying all the doors. 
Yeah. It's about systematically exploring an area and uh, not really knowing what you're going to find when you look under all the rocks. Yeah. And it's nice because in Silent Hill, it'll if you try a door and it's locked, it'll appear as locked on your map, right? Like it'll be like yeah, a red yeah. line or something. And so that's like, in your opinion, how much how much information given to you on a map is the right amount? Like, is there, is it like a Goldilocks thing where there's, there's, you don't want too much and you don't want to, uh, not enough. You want something that yeah, I, I think feels just right. You want the just right thing. And I think it will vary depending on what kind of game you want to make. Like we, yeah. just, we keep talking about Symphony of the Night and that's about, that's a game that's about filling out the map because moving around is like the main gameplay mechanic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, in comparison to something like uh, uh, Amnesia the Bunker, mm-hmm. uh, where the main gameplay mechanic is uh, creeping your way through unknown environments. And uh, Stiffy the Night also does that thing where by the end of the first castle, you feel pretty comfortable with the design. And then when you get to the inverted castle, it's mm. like, oh, this is uncomfortable, but I can still use the knowledge I have before, even though the enemies are all different in these rooms and everything's upside down. I still know... Oh, I get to the library by going, you know, into this tower and whatnot. Yes, very elegant. Also, I finished the Symphony of the Night and watched uh, a video on it from a year ago, and your zero punctuation on Symphony of the Night got shouted out in the video. Oh, well, that's gratifying. They called you a YouTuber named Zero Punctuation. Okay. Still nice, but then they played a little bit of a clip. I which feel. Was nice. Which video was this? The oh no, it was out? your. No, no, no. It was. Uh, I'll I'll send you the link. There's this. Uh, I believe he's Irish. Uh, oh, Irish. I've been I've been watching. Oh, Irish. Um, and I think now that I think about it, I don't I don't know if it was your Symphony of the Night video. I think it might have been your Dark Souls video where you directly reference Symphony of the Night. That's fair enough. I probably would have yeah. done that. Yeah, sounds like something you do. Um, I will I will find it and share it. But I, I okay. don't have it at, at the moment. Um. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Yeah, um, I, I feel like the there's also some Metroidvanias, especially to where like Wakamele was one of those games where every time you encounter something that you can't get by, it exactly color codes what you're going to need when you come back. So it'll be like, instead of just being a red door being locked, it's like, oh, it's a green gate because you're going to have to come back when you get the warp ability or it's a pink gate because you have to come back when you get the ability to swap worlds. And that yeah. feels like a little too much information yeah. i would almost rather have that be the let me design my own uh you know let yeah. me market myself yeah i know what you mean i just feel like it's reducing things down to checklists again yeah just yeah. go to where go to where we say and do the thing i've i've kind of always been fine with it where you just go to all the areas of the map that haven't been filled out yet and see if this is the spot where you need to use your new power yeah and some games are kind of just built around get a new power, and if the world is small enough, do another loop through the world and see mm. the areas where, now that I can double jump, I can reach all of these things. That's kind of like uh, Symphony of the Night. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't say, oh, you needed to be a bat or you needed to be missed to get through here, but anytime I would get that ability, I'd do like a quick, you know, or a couple of abilities, I'd do another circle, a lap of the, of the castle, and then 
you know, be able to fill in more more spots on the map. How do you feel about mini maps? Oh, oh, oh miniature maps. Um, I think overall I'm against them because I mm. think they start to feel like cell phones and they become a crutch that you become addicted to looking at and yeah. you're, and it's like it's like paying attention to your phone while you're driving and it's dangerous i fully agree i probably extended to constantly hovering objective markers yeah if, yeah i think of games like horizon forbidden west where yes mm-hmm. they pay all this attention to the environment and uh, someone's been uh, working their little artist balls off to make the environments look nice and then they just paste a load of bullshit over it many maps and objective markers and train the player to just stare exclusively at the markers and the GUI elements instead of the environment. And then, yeah. joke and jokes, when they put out like a, a a gameplay teaser of the game, they'll always strip the GUI out. Yeah. And you're like, you oh think- man, this looks gorgeous. And you're, and you're, yeah. you're navigating and orienteering yourself. I think the designers need to get a couple of their brain cells to connect here environment yeah. look nice we want play players to play game we show them how environment look nice oh cover entire environment in crap oh no brain cells yeah. filled brain cells getting spread apart oh no the connection lost i think i mean to me that seems like a a lack of faith and trust in your design right or is it that the game is so big that it's a sony mandate like you have to be able to you know throw everything in here because you're gonna get some people playing who don't want to look for things and in most of those games you can turn all of the things off like you mentioned in firewatch but then it's like does the game hold up to scrutiny if if you turn off all the ui elements in um ghost of tsushima or in well that's maybe that's not a great example because that does a lot of interesting things with using wind to guide you and seeing little foxes around the area to where you could probably do a lot of that game without i I don't like the I don't like that, oh, you can just turn it off in the menu excuse. Yeah. Especially if it's by default on. Well, and it, because it feels like it's designed, like what was it primarily designed for? Mm. If you could turn it off in the menu, that's probably not what it was primarily designed for, right? I mean, it's like it's like uh, you get into your nice fancy sports car and you start up the engine and then it immediately starts choking and making horrible noises and grinding. So you have to pull yeah. off the side of the road and get off and fix the engine. And maybe it works perfectly well after that, but now the whole ride's ruined, isn't it? You're just yeah. seething in in uh, in anger because you're upset yeah. that your your whole nice smooth ride was kind of a, like ruined from the start. And now yeah, you're, yeah. Just, 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 just can't enjoy my nice sunny drive now. I now know what it's like to uh, take a nice uh, weekend drive with you. It's very frustrating. There you go. Um, yeah, I'm, I was trying to think of like recent games that outside of the Souls games that did no map, and I was like, great, like your level design uh, really worked with that. Like uh, Death Store was one. Did you play Death Store the other year? Sort of the top down. Yeah, I actually um, don't really like the isometric look because uh, in comparison to like full 3D. Because in full 3D, the no maps thing works, as we say, you can look at the horizon and see where you want Mm -hmm. to go. And that is entirely lost in the isometric view. You have no idea what's directly ahead of you or directly to the the east. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it could be tough if... uh, And again, that was a game to where I remember playing it in a relatively confined or, or, you know, uh, tight period of time. But that's one of those games where if I took some time off of it, I would come back and be like, where was the, the frog person? Exactly, like, where was yeah. their kingdom? Which which direction was that in? Um, which, you know, maps can just 
almost be an accessibility tool in that respect of, of reminding you um, where things are. Uh, you brought up Silent Hill earlier, or uh, sorry, Hollow Knight earlier, and we didn't mm-hmm. return to that. Um, yes, the, I uh, love the unique the system there, yeah. where it's a sort of a hybrid uh, pseudo map and fully laid out map. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you have to find the map maker who's hidden on the yeah. uh, somewhere Cornifer. in the world. Yeah, yeah whatever he's always humming. Is. He's hidden and he's humming, and so you got to use your you got to use your ears to listen for him. Which means when you first get to an environment, you don't uh, you have to sort of explore blindly for a while until you can mm-hmm. find the dude. Yeah. Which is sort of uh, an interesting way to sort of have the best of both worlds to have that sense of being lost and a sense of exploration, and then having the uh the fully laid out map uh so you can know exactly once you've like gotten over that first stage you can focus on getting to exactly what you need to do i think silent hill did something similar because in silent hill 2 um you don't have maps by default when you get to a new area you have to find it yeah in some random room or other and you're just sort of exploring blind until then yeah do you like when because some games will have like it's it's like Cornifer in uh, Hollow Knight, he's hidden in uh, each zone, and you have to find him, and then it fills it up. But I guess Hollow Knight also has the stuff isn't marked on your map until you get to a checkpoint, until you get to a bench, yeah. and then like the stuff's kind of drawn in, which will be interesting because you're like, I've been going a long time without a bench, and I need to find one so I can remember where shit is. Um, oh, it makes sense. Makes sense. Much yeah. more sense than adding things on the fly while you're in the middle of slashing a bunch of enemies. Yeah, it makes sense that when your character is able to take a time to get a breather, that he's able to sort of put his thoughts together and, and remember yeah. where everything is. Because when you are taking uh, a breather, it's that moment for having that little internal dialogue with yourself, as in, uh, well, where do we go now? What what have we done? What have we achieved? What do we need to do? So it's probably mm-hmm. the best time to uh, go over all of that. Yeah. Yeah, and there's the, you know, there's the sort of, like you said, the Silent Hill, the Resident Evil of at somewhere in this area, you'll be able to find a map. There's certain games where there's like a shopkeeper in every area. And if you can buy a map, which um, mm. I don't know how, how crazy I am about that. Um, and then there's, you know, there's your your Zelda dungeons where uh, it's a key item in every dungeon is you'll find the map and maybe you'll find it early. Maybe you'll find it late. Maybe you'll complete the whole thing without ever even finding it. Um but Zelda dungeons, I guess, are one thing where the best Zelda dungeons to me don't even need a map, like especially if they have sort of a core, uh, a core pillar at the center, like, a, like a center the... room that you keep looping back on. You mean like the water dungeon in Ocarina of Time that had a yeah. central pillar room, didn't it? Yeah, but that's that. The water dungeon is a lot of those problems are alleviated on the DS when you can just. Um, where you have multiple item slots and you can very easily put on and off the uh, boots by just clicking a button. The, the, so, the, the UI of the game, I think, is the thing that makes the water dungeon mostly frustrating. In what's your favorite games. dungeon in a Zelda game for uh, intuitive layouts? So uh, it might be my least favorite Zelda of the 3D Zelda games, but the um, the sort of the spooky snow mansion in uh, Twilight Princess, where there's like the, the, the kind of big abominable snowman couple, yeah. And like the wife is sick and the husband's making her soup and it's like laid out in a mansion and you keep kind of circling back. It has that kind of, you know, soulsy design of you, you go on a little adventure and then you circle back and now you're on the second floor of the kitchen and you can pop down and you keep bringing uh, ingredients back for like the soup and stew he's making for his wife. Um, that in my recent replay, that was probably the one that stuck with me the most. Interesting choice. Yeah. By it probably being Twilight Princess, probably being my least favorite of the core 3D Zelda games. 
There are things I remember liking about Twilight Princess. I think it's just because it's a, a very, very big game. It's got so it many is. dungeons compared to other Zelda games. Yeah. So there's bound to be some yeah. stuff you like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's like, none of the games have like an absolute dud. And most of the games have one that's like, you know, a, a big standout. And I feel like the water dungeon has gotten like a, mm. like anything that's hated at a certain point, you know, give it enough time and you'll have enough people who say, actually, it was good. Or the, you know, exact opposite. Yeah. Um, uh, another my, Zelda, res- my favorite Zelda was always Wind Waker, of course. And the dungeon that springs to mind from that is the one uh, with the big central room with the wind that blows you up. Oh, that one was great. Yeah. Where you're hanging out with your little sprout friend. Yeah, yeah. You're turning on the fans and everything to be able to go further up and down the room. Yeah. Yeah, that one's great. That's the one that stands uh, out in my memory most. Another recent game that had a map thing that stood out to me, um, and it wasn't the map itself, but it was it was sort of a tangential thing, was Final Fantasy sixteen. And not, like, the maps themselves, pretty boring. Like, kind of useless. Mm. Uh, I really like if you, when you go back to the hideout, you can talk to someone who's kind of like your record keeper, and you can get a synopsis of the story on the world map, and it will kind of go through a timeline and you'll see where all the major characters it's almost like a game of thrones where they all sit around a big board of the kingdom and Mm. you see where all the different armies are and you can kind of like scrub forwards and backwards in time and see where all the different players are in the world and be like oh this is where the 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 you know earth the titan's army is and this is where odin's army is and seeing them kind of move around and you get it uses that in-game map to sort of show you time and not just it's good that uh, you mentioned geography game of thrones because i've seen online browser sort of google maps of like mm-hmm. westeros uh, where you can add characters to the map and it will show you uh and you can like use a little like a uh, slider yeah, to yeah indicate progress through the the books yeah will, yeah like show you where they were and the routes they took throughout mm-hmm. the course of the book that sounds pretty much what you're talking about and of course yeah, we know yeah. final fantasy 16 takes a lot of influence from game of thrones most definitely yeah i would uh i would absolutely say that that was uh inspired by game of thrones and game of thrones is interesting too because in terms of like a tv show that mm. might be one of the few ever that like had a map that was kind of important and that you could get more out of the show by learning the map a little bit and you you kind of are understanding oh these people are close to each other in the north this is why they feel this way and these people yeah. are tucked away in the south and these people are on a completely different continent so they don't give a shit about what's going on over it's here it's fun it's fun to go to that character map for game of thrones for the books at least and uh, just add john snow and Arya stark because john snow just... goes to the wall stays there yeah <laughs> Arya stark oh yeah all over That's, the place yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah, that is funny. How you're like several seasons. John has not left this ball in the books, uh, at least. Yeah, Chris uh, Winklemolen uh, brings up a good point of the hero's journey in Breath of the Wild, which is like a thing that was like DLC, I think. After and then it was just regular in Tears of the Kingdom, but where you can click a thing and it'll on the map trace your entire progress through the world. So like where you started, <laughs> and then like a line of everywhere you went. And you I'm can just, kind of look at it and be like, oh, I take this path a lot, but I've never really been in this corner, so maybe I should go there and find some shrines or some Korok seeds. You know, for some reason, I'm picturing, like, a, a in the future of Hyrule, a museum, 
and there's this big tapestry of the world map and there's this like su- like professor with a group of students and saying and yeah. this we believe is the route taken by the legendary hero during his conquest and one, <laughs> one of the students just going he was very easily distracted wasn't he yeah like ooh something shiny ooh something shiny um yeah, and, uh, you know, again, with, with open-world maps and sort of the Ubisoft design, you know, Breath of the Wild probably is one of the examples of a game that tried to um, tried to change that journey. up. But... Bit on the nose, isn't it? <laughs> Just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> hey, he's dead. We don't have to pay uh, uh, Joseph Campbell. It's fine. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's one of the games that uh, it made exploring fun because it kind of took cartography and made it into a gameplay mechanic by you'd get to a high point and you'd look at something and be like, that looks interesting. I want to go there as opposed to, um, you know, a game like horizon, just telling you that Hmm. this is where you want to go because there's, I don't know, animals to skin or or a a dungeon to go into. For some reason, it reminds me of how, when you get to the end of a level in super meat boy and it would show all your failed attempts as well as your successful one. I love that. Yeah. It's, it feels like breaking down game fo- like post-game footage after, after a sport. I'm mm. a big fan of it. Well, should we go to Super Chats? We shall. Yeah, there's, uh, there's, there's a couple things I, I already saw that I want to bounce off of. So, Ooh. And remember, our current funding goal is Nick playing spooky games for <laughs> the spookiest month next He's month. such a pussy when it comes to spooky games. He loves them. Yeah, but he's so, like, easily startled. I remember playing Phasmophobia uh, with him, and he was like, oh, my God, this game will will get into your head. It will freak you out. And I just oh, no, up, Nick's in the chat. Nick's angry at you. He's not angry at me. And I just ended up sort of deliberately not saying anything and hiding in the house so I could jump out and scare him because he... Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was clearly bothering him. Anyway. Oh, we had a whole bunch of people upgrading to early access. They must have heard oh, that I reviewed gosh. Starfield this week. Oh my uh, god. The Atlantean, Lewis WB, Udhavs Revillarsen, and a superb owner. Although that was just an unrelated thing. Member for five months in tip jar. Oh, and then they had a comment. I just, oh, did you see that? Just played Amnesia. Or I can read it if you don't have that on there. Oh, yes. He says, I just played Amnesia the Bunker and was reminded of how I love when games have a diegetic map that you cannot take with you. It wouldn't fit with all games, but when implemented, it's quite engaging. It helps that Amnesia the Bunker very. A very uh, deliberately bases itself around a very small, tightly contained environment. Yeah, like having one map at the front of like Spencer Mansion would kind of be a pain in the ass in a Resident Evil game, but having it in a kind of a claustrophobic setting would. Yeah, um, it would be nice to have yeah. a single map of Undead Berg in Dark Souls. You just see all the ways it goes off in different directions into different parts of yeah, the map. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a couple like Twitter accounts and stuff that, that try mapping. Um, unmap yeah. things in games and it's, again it's it's easier in 2d games than it is in 3d games i'll bet i used to did you ever were you ever big into like buying strategy guides or no i, I guess know, a lot of games the internet existed i mean yeah, back in the before? back in the 90s like, the uh, like yeah. i'd sometimes prowl video game magazines seeing if they yeah. had any answers to the adventure games i was stuck on at the time I remember there were, there are certain games where I remember their strategy guides almost as well as the games themselves. Like Earthbound, mm-hmm. famously coming with the strategy guide that was also like a travel brochure for for Eagleton, the country. Is that the one with the scratch and sniff thing? It did have scratch and sniff. Yeah, that was a weird gimmick. That was a weird gimmick. It is clear that uh, Nintendo's American arm had no idea how to how to um, right try to how sell to, this game to an audience. Yeah, how to market a game like that. 
First area of Bloodborne could done with a map as well. And, you know, I might make some enemies here, but I really think the forest area in Bloodborne would have been better with a map. The, the place with yeah, all the snakes. It would, it would have been interesting if specific areas have maps that are, again, like diegetic, like some character you can find who has a map, or like mm. for some reason someone scouted out this place. Like Blighttown feels like a place you'd find some NPC and they were like, I tried to get to the bottom. But I'm waiting to map them all way down, and then they give you it, and then you see that they're dead later on. That what was, was my, Cro- uh, what was Dark Crocodile Dundee doing there? Uh, that's that's fine. He was uh, he was trying to get to the bottom because he wanted to see that that shirtless spider woman. He was, he was ah, excited to meet her. Oh, that's not yeah. a spider. This is a spider. Oh, oh Quilag. Yeah. <clears throat> Shouts to Quilag. And we had someone who was welcomed to bonus content, but then retracted their message. Oh, I have their name written down. Thomas Bullphone. I wonder if I wasn't supposed to say that. Maybe they're like on the lamb or like in witness protection. You can't Thomas escape Bullphone. our electric eye, whatever your name no. was. We have mapped out the entirety of this. That doesn't make any sense. That's fine. So what what was the message you retracted? Or there was no say? message. They ju- it was just literally them entering bonus content, and maybe they like retracted their membership. Oh, maybe we shouldn't have said their name then. Maybe they entered it just to watch Starfield, and then they retracted it. Oh, that's a assholey approach to life. That's that's the uh, that's the the Steam version of playing a game that's under two hours, finishing it, and then getting a getting a refund. Yeah, the YouTube version of doing that on Steam. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Captain Seasick gives fifty Swedish kroner and says, "Don't mind me. Just giving myself a shout out for when I inevitably rewatch this in a year or so." Okay. Captain hello, Seasick. future. Hello, future Captain Seasick. It was a I pity about that thing that happened, wasn't it? Oh my god, I can't believe it. I yes. can't believe it. What I a day. I don't know how your mother looks herself in the eye these days. Oh no, Captain Seasick. Speaking of Captain Seasick, what do you think of treasure maps? <laughs> remember when we had treasure remember, remember when we played Sea of Thieves and we had treasure maps? Oh what do you yeah. Think of like, I like sort of those. maps as those one-off things. I yes, like those right. where you have to do a bit of, as I said, a bit of de- deduction on your own part to figure out what the map means. Yeah, and again, that's I feel like that shows confidence in in design. I like those. Uh, I think Super Paper Mario had like a side quest where they just show you like a, a cropped screen grab of part yeah. of the world, and you had to go yeah. there to find the treasure. Sort of like guess the game, really. Yeah, yeah. Mario Odyssey had the same things when I was replaying those. You'd find like yeah. a still image of something from some other level, and you'd have to go there because that still image had something different than in the level so it had four statues instead of five and so you'd pound on the fifth statue and you'd get a you'd get a little a maybe little you already moon. guessed this from my love of Oberdin or and my various videos on the subject but i really enjoy games that make me feel clever usually by mm-hmm. making me have to deduce something yeah Us- using my clever brain shadows of doubt as did, well without spoiling it did you feel clever at some points of chance of Sonar? yeah not so much during the full stealth sections, as I was saying to you earlier. But uh, yeah, that certainly uh, uh, that game certainly found an interesting deduction gimmick to base itself around. And I might be has writing ever about been it a more game, in the future. Has there ever been a game that wasn't a stealth game at heart that had a good stealth section? I think the answer is literally no. I mean, a I game that's not game completely that based around game. stealth, like the Thief series. Having sure. a stealth yeah. section that didn't completely suck. Uh, yeah. Whew, uh, nothing springs to mind. Yeah, Zelda's had some stealth sections that, that are kind of fucking 
bad. I feel like any any game that that adds it is just kind of like, well, why are we doing this? I want to try to think of you know, try to break down what stealth is and the basic skills and primary gameplay loop involved in it, and if there's any like equivalent gameplay style that it could be combined with effectively. But as I say, oh, nothing springing yeah. to mind. It's really just about waiting for opportunities. Yeah. Um, yeah, like uh, uh, Jesse and Casey were playing one of the recent Shantae games recently, um, and that had a forced stealth section that was bad. It was just like bad, and it was inst- it was that- one of those instant fails, and it tosses you back to the beginning if you get if you get looked at once. People are just naming stealth games now, like Metal Gear Solid Five and Dishonored are stealth games. I would say I would say those like those are stealth well, games at hmm, heart. Hybrid systems, really. Yeah, but like they went in being like, we are going to mold stealth into the core fabric okay. of our uh, game, yeah. as opposed yeah. to this small slice. Like the Yiga, the Yiga Clan section of Breath of the Wild is a great example. Lady Luminous, terrible. Breath of the Wild, incredible game. Yiga section, go straight to hell. I remember like uh, forced stealth sections out of nowhere were kind of a was kind of a popular gimmick for a while. Uh, I want to say around the early PS2 era. I think of. Uh, Fahrenheit stroke Indigo Prophecy, having one that really sucked. Oh, God. Get out of here. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Uh, Anyway, Mr. McKeown gives five Canadian dollars. Says extra punctuation updating us on Starstruck Vagabond when? (sighs) Well, we... I, we already had one of those a while back, and you might have noticed that's mysteriously vanished from the channel, because it turns out we're not allowed to talk about Starstruck Vagabond on Escapist videos anymore. That bias. order from on high. Absolute bias. Yes, because of, you know, bias and all that. But, we should uh, create let's a just... sub-channel called The Escapist, and then cover it on there. Just add an R to, to the word, it'll be fine. Let's just say it's nearly done. Dun-dun-dun-dun. It's nearly done. I'm uh, hopefully get out by the end of the year, but uh, I don't know how many months of testing it's going to need. Fox uh, D gives two dollars and says games need readable text signs on the roads. Okay, games need readable text signs on the roads. Yeah, I mean, there's all there's also games that try to like have it be like learn the city based on you know street names and landmarks, and that kind of works like. Uh, Watch Dogs 2, you can, you know, I'm sure you and I could both kind of get through it by a well, rough thanks. knowledge of the Bay Area layout. Like, yeah. yes, it is a weird, like, con- you know, uh, uh, sort of small, like, condensed version, but you know, oh, I need to go yeah. east over the Bay to yeah. Blend, or oh, I need to go north to get to Oh, I need to get to the pier with all the seals. Yeah. I, I vaguely know where to go to find that. I, want, yeah. I wanted to find, uh, go to where I was living at the time, which was Berkeley. But Berkeley wasn't there. I think people have been trying to find their. Oakland was in. there. Fucking Oakland. They can't. It's Berkeley's too. Uh, there's uh, not enough graphics. Oh sure. I mean, it's not like there's anything important in Berkeley. Just the fucking University of California. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> just one of the country's major universities. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. And John Lee mentioned Spider-Man, too. Yeah. Same thing for Spider-Man as well, if you know Manhattan. Oh, yes. Yeah, like also, speaking of forced stealth sections out of nowhere. Oh, the Mary Jane stuff? Oh, God, yes. Get out of town. That's Terrible. Why, that's why games need longer memories. So yeah. I can remember when forced stealth sections were a popular thing and they always sucked. Yeah. Anyway, Chris Swinklemolen gives two euros and says Dungeon Keeper had good maps that hinted at secrets. So you, when you talk I've about top-down or isometric games, those games practically are the map. Games where you basically play on the map. Yeah. Yeah, where like the, <laughs> the map is the action. Yeah. Yeah. Ultima and that sort of thing mm-hmm. as well. There's also there's a couple recent games where creating the map or or manipulating the map is part of is like a core mechanic um did you ever play either loop hero or carto i have played loop hero okay and that's i mean i don't know i guess that doesn't it's not quite the same as in-game map but you are ostensibly populating the yeah the, the loop like your core decisions is are building a map i guess basically yeah uh and then Car- you've never played carto carto nope that was a uh a, a top-down colorful um puzzle game where you have you kind of collect different pieces of a grid and you place them and and you're able to solve puzzles and place them so like this grid has paths that lead up and to the left and then you can place other grids that have paths, you know, that would connect with it above it or to the left of it. And so you're able to enter different areas depending on where you place things. And and ultimately, you're like trying to collect new pieces and figuring out how to create the map of the world that you're able to solve all the puzzles in one okay. fell swoop. Sounds pretty cool. Pretty neat. Sounds, Sounds like, pretty you neat. know, grand scale pipe dream or something. Yeah, yeah. And it was just one of those games where I was like, oh, this is a clever thing that I haven't seen before, which honestly, for me, that's usually enough to like warrant putting a little time in. Anyway, uh, John Connor gives five Canadian dollars and says, tried a game called Pseudo Regalia. Fantastic movement mechanics for Metroidvania, but had no map. Going to be patched in post, apparently. Oh, yeah, I tried that out. It's mm-hmm. a very uh, sort of PS1 art style. And yeah, with emphasis yeah. on sort of parkouring. Yeah, I, I actually finished that. It's it's pretty short. I liked uh, I liked a lot of things about that. It did not have a map, and I was very confused because I would come back every once in a while and be like, "Yeah, where the hell am I? What is going?" All these places, like all these places, kind of look the same. Yeah, which I guess when you have like when you're a lower budget or a solo dev, it's hard to make you know very unique architecture in every room to make things memorable. Yeah, I wouldn't bother myself. Yeah, but yeah. yeah pretty, I played it for a while, but I feel like. Uh, all the movement mechanics to make it interesting didn't unlock fast enough for me. Because uh, it's bored. a weird thing to you need like it's if you go in the right direction you can unlock like double jumps and wall jumps very quickly and if you yeah, go in the I wrong direction like you that. won't get them till the end of the game which kind of yeah. sucks. Anyway, John Connor member for eighteen months in tip jar, and that was just his uh, super chat as well. Oh yeah. So, well, no, and then he has a mem- uh, thing under that maps that de-highlight an area when you've gotten everything. Thanks. I like that. Yeah, uh, my friendly neighborhood does that. Rooms that tells you like you're good. Change you color to... if you said you're done exploring this room. Move on. Yeah. Ain't no yeah. more secret bits of ammo anywhere. Yeah. 
Special for survival horror, certainly. Captain Seasick gives 50 Swedish krono and says, Green Hell does mapping similar to Hollow Knight. The map is an item you have to find, and even then you have to fill it in by visiting locations. That was a horror I never actually played that. I think that was like a first-person horror game with cannibals, maybe, or something like that. Yeah, I've never played Green Hell. I assume it's thematically similar to Green Inferno, the, uh, what's-his-name's film? The guy who made Hostel. Eli Roth? Yeah, Eli Roth's film. Why, why? Why do we both know about that movie? That's such a. Dumb I don't movie. know because I kept hearing people bring it up, referencing the fact that it's really dumb and uh, obnoxious. Yeah, most of those movies are pretty dumb and obnoxious. If I'm being honest. And then Sean Schultz, member for five months in bonus content, says, "What genre of video games have the best map mechanic?" Well, we've kind of been talking about that for the last hour, Sean Schultz. Probably Metroidvania. Like Metroidvania seems like one that's like designed around. Yeah, maps pretty retracing your steps. There. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, it's funny that like I I recently reviewed uh, Disney Illusion Island, which was a Switch exclusive yeah, Mickey, the, Mouse the Mickey Mouse Metroidvania. Thing, yeah. yeah, and that had um, obviously because it was geared towards kids. It actually works as like a my first Metroidvania for kids. How, how accessible um, was that? Because my kids really sodding into Mickey Mouse. Uh, you can. Uh, you can like make it so that you can't be hurt by anything. Uh, you can like really take the teeth off the game, and it's uh, a local co-op up to four people, so huh. you can play alongside them too. Like I think it would like it would kind of work as a as a my first my first Mickeyvania, as uh, Frost said it. So, um, but it also has like it will by default mark everything on the map, mm. um, and you can turn it off, but like the map just becomes like someone someone just vomited all over it. Yeah, like I don't know why it's a Switch exclusive. Sandbox maps, funnily enough. Yeah, exactly. Uh, maybe Nintendo paid the money, uh, or they realised that it's a game for little kids, and little kids have Nintendo consoles. That is true. Babbies, babbies love Nintendo. Babbies, babbies love, love their babby toys. Babbies love their babby toys. <laughs> anyway, Robert Hobbs, member for four months in early access, says Vice City map is still seared into my brain. It wasn't actually that big, the Vice City map, was it? No, but it feels... It felt big at the time. Yeah. Like, because we didn't certainly. have a lot of sort of urban open worlds like that. Certainly compared to open worlds these days. Of course, San Andreas yeah. was in the same engine and was insanely Much big. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Vice City had the, like, oh, this one island was big, but oh my god, there's another island you go to. And obviously yeah. San Andreas then did kind of the whole region or the whole state. Um it was also those games all came with like those old NES and PC games we were talking about. Those came with fold-out maps that I remember. Like mm-hmm. I remember people in my freshman dorm room having like the San Andreas map like oh, on their yes. walls. Yeah, I remember buying a boxed uh, version of Grand Theft Auto Five for the PS3, and uh, I came with like a glossy map in the box. Are you excited for Grand Theft Auto Sixes, man? Remember when all that stuff leaked and we talked about it and then no one said anything about that game in like the past year and a half? Well, because the game was so horribly unfinished. So we were thinking, <laughs> okay, well, that's going back in the oven for another yeah. three years or so. <laughs> uh, uh, Kwok Yu Tsang, Tsang K69 in brackets, member for 16 months in early access, says, thoughts on making your own maps? Well, we did go well, over that. But honestly, one thing we didn't mention is that... Um, it's kind of fun, but I prefer it when it's integrated into the game so I don't have to look away from the screen and mess around with paper and pen in real life. 
Yeah. Are you not a fan of like jotting down real life notes during games? Well, not usually because it's like an instant immersion breaker. But I like it when it's like integrated into the game. I can go to a special map screen and draw your own map with the mouse or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I like having a pen and paper by me in games that like make sense with it. Like when I was I was playing through the first Silent Hill last year, and you get to um, it's like a music puzzle with birds. Yeah, whatever you know it what? was, I just I remember you know having I, to pull out a thing and being like, I'm gonna write this down. Yeah, you know what I do these days? I get out take my a, smartphone a and I take yeah. a picture of the TV screen whenever it's showing <laughs> me information I need to take over somewhere else. Or in previous yep. ages of humanity, I would have just had to write down notes. Yeah, I did that with Chance of Sonar. Um, now I've got a ton of random photos of the tv uh, in between pictures of my dog sleeping and my children <laughs> being cute there you go uh the merchant of life gives five pounds and says shame the hero's journey never came back on tears the kingdom love to see link the adhd ridden hero of hyrule again well that it did did it yeah, you that go, game's got so much verticality in it. Surely that no, would be you go, lost. You go. I believe it's in. Uh, it's it's in the the town in the bottom right hand corner of the map, and you go to like the observatory and you buy it, and it's pretty easy. It's pretty cheap, and it's something that's not DLC, but it's very easily missed if you don't go to the to the laboratory in the southeast portion. Well, of the, I go. keep forgetting what the name of that place is, but yeah, you go there, you can get it. I had it like from very early on in the game. Yeah, it's neat to see because it, it takes into account the Sky Islands and the, the the Underdark. How do I not remember the names of these things? I put like 130 hours in that game. What is I going on? Just call it the Underdark. That's basically what it was. <laughs> I can't remember shit from that game. It's my game of the year. I put 130 hours into it. And I don't remember anything. What does that tell you? The Depths. It was called The Depths, I remembered. Oh, that's it tells ge- me that's that pretty generic. I... There was an identical sort of area in Dark Souls called The Depths as well. Yeah, but that one wasn't finished. This one was finished. What was that? Was that like a purr? <laughs> I'm just showing off uh, Toffee's fang. Oh, He's a vicious beast. Incredible. Uh, Fungus Finder gives $2 and says, I'm likely to get instantly lost without a map. IRL too. Do you think you have good a good sense of direction in real life? Um, no. Because uh, it's edited me up here, talking about video <laughs> games on the internet for cretins. Yelling about Underdarks. Uh, I tend to get turned around pretty easily. In video games as well, actually. Yeah. Like I I'm forever like I'm I go into like one of those ghost train ride arenas where they where you have to kill a bunch of enemies or a big boss and then they open all the doors and I'm like, I can't remember which door I came in. 100%. Yep. All the time that I'm like, that was too long ago. Like, I did not, I did not realize this was something I should like keep in my short-term memory. Yeah. Uh, MA underscore ER233 gives 170 NT dollars. I don't think I've ever seen those before. No, says, I don't even know what those are. And says there's a map app inspired by the fog of war in RTS games called Fog of World. You clear the fog by physically going there. Sounds fascinating. That would take an awful lot of time. Yeah. Also, NT dollars, new Taiwan dollars. I didn't realize there was an old Taiwan. 
There's an old Mexico. Yeah, New Taiwan. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that is. I like Bogomor. Like I think Bogomor is interesting. Yeah, Baldur's Gate, of course, uses it to full effect. It's just a visualization of a place you don't know the layout of yet. Mm-hmm. If you're not in like a first person in setting, where, yeah. where that sort of thing just occurs naturally. I guess that's all we had to say on that subject. Oh, sorry. I didn't realize this was, this was a yes and. Uh, I like Fog of War in Advance Wars and uh, Fire Emblem because the only strategy games I play are for babies made by Nintendo. I feel like it's silly to call it Fog of War in anything other than a, a real-time strategy game. You should just call it Fog of Ignorance or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're not if you're not in battle, like you're just yeah. like, oh, I just, this isn't, I'm not in war. I just haven't been around that corner yet. I Fog of Place I Haven't Been. Yeah, doesn't roll off the tongue quite as well. I guess not. Uh, the Piss Bandit, member for 25 months in bonus content, appropriately enough, says, Marty, drink more water. This is a threat. You know what? Give me wants, my piss back. He wants to stop steal stealing, all your piss. Stop going, into my, stop going into my toilet and fucking taking my piss for your weird experiments, and then I'll drink more water. I drink so much water. I probably drink more water on camera than anyone at theescapist.com slash YouTube slash this place. Well, uh, we'll have to. Someone will have to go through the archives and add it all up. I definitely take the most pee breaks during streams because I believe I'm the only one who takes pee breaks during streams. Well, if I took a pee break during Portal Co-op, and Casey pushed me into a corner, and when I came back and and picked up my controller, he was right in my face, and understandably, I backed up a little bit and then fell off an edge, and we all laughed. <laughs> it was great. And uh, let me tell you. Portal 2 co-op, I know you like getting my 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 Valve updates. Portal 2 co-op, incredible. That's Casey and I, a well-oiled machine. I feel like you keep coming to me and saying, hey, this game you highly recommend is actually quite good. I'm surprised. I just, I just like, well, you really like Valve, and I like that we, we can bond over it. It's like, yeah. it's like when like my dad was into football, and as a kid I was like, I got to get into football so I can have something in common with my dad. That paints a very sad picture of your childhood, I must say. <laughs> it was actually it was less about football and it was more he was really into movies and that's why I got into movies and it turned out movies were red so uh, the true Mandalorian gives five dollars says have any of your co-workers ever made cameos in your novels like how Marty is obviously Jacques Vecchione and definitely not Frobisher's mum that's not I the case I think he knew I existed in any of those novels <laughs> no you don't. Uh, I don't I don't usually base characters on real people I think um, the first character in Jam who gets eaten by the Jam was sort of based on a friend of mine, but that's about it. Rest in peace. You should have Nick get killed in a book. <clears throat> I don't know. I'm not sure the audience would believe that a character could be so handsome. <laughs> uh, I was wondering where you are going to go with that. And uh, so afraid of horror games. Uh, yes. But, you know, that's what we love about him. Yeah. Herb4NM gives 25 PLNs and says, I don't like when modern games have road signs that require interaction to show you what's written on them. Non-diegetic way. But what if you didn't... What if you just, like, looked at it without looking at it, like so many people do? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's tough also because, like, in a third-person game, the writing might be too small. Like, I guess in a first-person game, you could run right up to it. Sometimes you don't want to do that. Uh, Laura Mipsum 
giving their very first super chat, goodness me, da, 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 da. gives 4.99 and says, based on your criticisms about maps in games, how would Google Maps hold up? Uh, it's a very useful resource in daily life. Sometimes yeah. also for amusing yourself when you're very bored. I like to go to parts of the world where I used to live, go on Google Street View, and then walk around and see how much it has changed. Yeah. Have you ever Zillowed uh, a former apartment or house to see what it looks like on the inside now? Shockingly, yes. I, I yeah, have... So uh, so well, not Zillowed, because Zillow's just America, but I have or, yeah, used... Yeah. I've used websites to explore the, my childhood home. And it yeah, has, same. They've really spruced up the place, whoever owns same. it now. Same. Good for them, yep. say I. I mean, I know that's just for the, like, the real estate photos. Sure. But even so... Yeah, and everything uh, looks nicer when it's like well lit and there's nothing yeah. inside of it. But they've like expanded the place and I've rebuilt all those that horrible shit in the extension that my dad made and that really didn't work. But yeah, good for you, people currently living in my childhood house. Proud of you. Or I guess not, because it would only be on pictures of it would only be on the real estate website if they were selling it. So it's true. good for you, previous owners of my childhood house. There you go. Anyway, Captain Seasick gives 50 Swedish kroner and says, might be worth mentioning, Green Hell is an open world survival crafting game. It's got a lot of interesting mechanics like how it treats injuries. Oh God, every part of that super chat made a different part of my brain fall asleep. No, open I world like survival crafting... I like interesting mechanics. I don't like treating injuries in games, but I, except if it's Snake Eater. And no, I actually don't like that in Snake Eater. I think it's I, very cool the first time in Snake Eater, and then I hate it the rest of the time. I did a whole extra punctuation on how it's so dumb games keep trying to make interesting ways to treat injuries. It's just eat a box of health and keep going. There's not much more you can develop that. There's one game that's done it well. And do you know what game that is? Are you going to say Mr. Your Solid 3? No, Metagross Solid 3 has not done it well. It does it well the first time, and then every other time it's dumb. I think uh, the did thing you ever play worth, Trauma Center for the DS? I think the thing worth like noting about Trauma Center is that you, the protagonist, are not the one being healed in the healing action oh, of Trauma Center. The interesting mechanic is is having to do it to someone else. Yeah. Yeah, because... Uh, yeah. I'll grant you, Trauma Center, pretty interesting game. Pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. Very weird ideas of how healthcare works, but you know, I'd, I'd have said the same thing about Phoenix Wright and the legal system. Yeah, I like those fantasy worlds. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Why don't you keep making noises, Toffee? He keeps going, Oh, Toffee. Like he's desperate for a poo. Aren't we all? Yeah, do it into the mic if you're going to do it. Make everyone think you're cute. Okay, maybe this is what he wanted all along. Okay, he's there. Uh, Mooring75 gives 10 Canadian dollars and says nothing. Oh my glob. And then Matt233. Uh, Have I showed you Toffee's little scarf, by the way? No, 
I want to see it. It's worth seeing again if I haven't. They put it on. Oh, is that what he got from the from the yeah. not the daycare or whatever? Yeah, the kennel put it on him, and I happen to think it sort of completes his look. I might get a proper you, scarf at some point when this one falls apart. Because it's, li- it's literally just a piece of literally just a piece of cloth that got cut up. Do you dress him up for Halloween? Um, sort of. For last Halloween, my wife bought um an imitation Beanie Baby tag that we could just put oh, on his collar and then magically transform great. him into a Beanie Baby Chihuahua. I love it. That's a really good idea. Uh, time, you could get him, get him up. You could the the little bandana makes me think he could be a bandit, like a like a train robber. One time I went to a fancy dress party when we had our last dog Pepper. And my wife dressed up as Dorothy, and Pepper like sat in her basket like uh, Toto, oh, and I dressed and I, and I dressed up as Killian Murphy's Scarecrow from Batman, and uh, that was kind of the joke. That's good. That's good. Although I don't think anyone got it. Bunch of plebs. I thought it was great. Uh, have I done Moring seventy five? You did now. Okay. Morning 75 gives 10 Cana- uh, Canadian dollars. And then Matt233 uh, gives 70 of those new Taiwan dollars we like so much. Hell yeah. And says, Yahtzee, ever imagined went solo instead of with escapist? Damn. As I've said many times before, Matt233, uh, I, I want someone else to take care of all the business bollocks. No so I can focus on the creativity. No one likes doing the busy bollocks. I just want to write my videos and I just chuck them into a big bin for someone else to uh, publish and do all the boring marketing stuff around. Pretty boring, to be honest. CMSs, no one wants to go in there. Fucking content management system, get the hell out of here. God. Uh, Jules Rowe, member for Five Punts and Early Access, says, love the Fallout 76 map more than Fallout 4, a tourist map. Okay, we found, we found one thing someone likes about Fallout 76. No, Nick's going to come in the chat and be like, actually, it's a really good game. There had to be something, I suppose. Uh, jo- uh, Zoe, a surname I'm not going to try to pronounce, gives $5 and says, Morrowind had a great world map system where the Qatar cartography was filled out as you explored the game world. A shame the local maps were dog water. I like I like things filling out as I explore them because it gives a nice sense of uh, uh, like a little accomplishment. You're like, look what I've done. Look at my mm. journey. There you go. Selex two three zero one gives five euros and says, finally able to watch this live, but had to step away. Now I have to listen to the beginning later. BTW, I love how Sea of Thieves handles maps. Enjoy. And that was their yeah. first super chat. Good for them. Oh my god. Yeah, see, treasure maps are great. Treasure maps are like, that's like a, a that's a, a core staple of of exploration and discovery and excitement across all fiction. Sometimes it goes too far. Too much Star Wars is treasure maps right now. Like we gotta get maps mm. out of Star Wars TV shows and movies. However, yeah. maps and games. I remember that being a big part of the Force Awakens, which was the last yeah. Star Wars thing I exposed myself to. And it's currently you exposed yourself in that movie. Yes, that's um, why I got thrown out of the cinema. <laughs> no longer allowed at Regal Theatres. Um, Ahsoka, the, the show that is currently airing, has too much of it as well. Oh, who cares? I do, because I have to care. Legally obligated to care. 
Well, that's the only way one can, I suppose. Uh, Andrew Hickenbottom gives £5 and says, Marty, did you squeal with joy when Kojima retweeted the X-Files intro for its 30th anniversary recently? Yeah, I did. I noticed the X-Files it, 30th anniversary yesterday. I noticed it show up on Twitter. I didn't notice Hideo Kojima was the one who retweeted it. Yeah, um, it was it was great. Um, yeah, 30th anniversary yesterday. I've been re-watching it, been reading along with Darren's book on the X-Files. It's great. What a what a wonderful show. Also, Andrew, I saw that you played Guardians of the Galaxy, and I'm glad you enjoyed it. Andrew commented on my 3MR from a long time ago that he finally played it and liked it. So thanks, Andrew. That's a bit creepy. Why is it a bit creepy? I don't know. Like well, Sometimes when I play games, I'll go on Discord later, and all the Discord will be saying, Hey, we just saw from the Discord thing that Yahtzee was playing such and such. Why is he doing that? Shouldn't he be doing his job? Oh, people! People like following, seeing what you're up to. They like they like trying to like trying to to, to deduce what your next game is going to be based on things. Exposed. And I always think it's funny because I'm like, if you literally just watch these streams, we pretty much say what the next yeah. several games you're doing are. So no, there's no deducing needed. Just watch these streams. What if I want to play a Steam porn game? Just do it. No, you got to get it. There's there's hentai games on the Switch. I bought one for two dollars. As it, research. Okay. I was waiting well, I for bought you it. to add a qualification there. I bought it the day before we were going to do our all-day Persona stream because I thought it'd be funny if I gave my live reviews while playing it in handheld mode while Nick's playing Persona. But then during Nick's Persona stream, uh, the, his power went out pretty early on, so we didn't do that stream. And so the hentai game's just kind of been sitting on my Switch for like a month, and it's getting weird. So Nick, we need to do a Persona stream soon so I can play the hentai game and then delete it. Thanks. Marty. Right. Deleted. Uh, Dr. Zebra gives $5 and says, Did you talk about Chance of Zenar yet? Really great puzzle game. Very Oberdin esque. Yatsi, you're going to love it. Yes, yes. Barty was saying very similar things. I've played through it. There are bits of it I like. Let's leave it at that because I might be writing about it in the future. You just don't like it because I found a game. <laughs> You want to be the discoverer of games, not me. I have no ambition of being discoverer of games. One hardly could these days. There You're are the so Ponce de Leon of games. You're the Magellan of games. I'm the um, Sir Walter Raleigh of games. There you go. I discover potatoes and murder a lot of natives. He invented the potato? Yes, Marty. He invented the potato. Oh, oh he, man! Out of stickle bricks and glue. You know what game had a great potato? Portal 2. Oh, uh, I was wondering yeah, where you potato. were going with that. Great potato. You're a bit behind the times, I'm, I fear. Oh, well, but I oh. played the game the week it came out, but I just, I just get excited. I want to fill you in on the stuff that we're playing. Okay, We've fine. been playing Portal 2 and having a hoot nanny. X-Men number one fan gives one ninety nine and says, Yati, thanks for ripping Starfield a new one. Oh, spoiler warning, X-Men number one fan. Uh, the non-members haven't seen it yet. I don't think you ripped it a new one, did you? Well, I was uh, a lot harsher than most. You were. But uh, you'll all get to see that on Wednesday, of course. You won't get the same calls to be fired, though, like the IGN and GameSpot reviewers for giving it a 7. <laughs> I think, yeah, I never get that shit because people's just sort of expected from me at this point. 
also all the cues to have those people fired were before the game came out and now the game came out people are just either like i really like it or whatever it's not that good (laughs) so like yeah i feel like people have already kind of moved on from it which is very funny well that's what happens isn't it shocking it's all about chance of sonar now i'm gonna be honest this is is a chant-based society pity it's such a horrible title it is bad it is bad and every time i spell it i'm like i know several of these letters are used twice and i don't know which ones are which yes i can never remember if you spell it with a z or if it just sounds like you spell it with a z yeah anyway lucky seventh gives 30 shekels i think that is shekels, i believe yeah and says just joined now current maps versus maps from 20 years ago when you had to either write down locations or look up things online because the map was empty which is better Oh god. I think it's a case by case basis. I'm not gonna reiterate the whole podcast for you now, Lucky Seven. Let's do it over again. No, I think uh I think it's a case by case basis. I think uh the different maps fit different types of games. And I love having to draw my own map in Persona Q and Atrian Odyssey, but I don't want to have to draw my own map in say Final Fantasy Seven. Who wants to just draw a map of uh like a Ubisoft game? Where you basically just nah, draw nah. a big empty space. And that doesn't sound fun at all. And just draw a little cross where all the treasure chests are. Absolutely not. Simple Simon gives two dollars and says Toffee just wanted a quick snog. Apparently. Oh, oh no, about now. No, you don't, Toffee. Okay, he's done with his quick snogs. Now he's just looking at me affrontedly. No more snogs. Okay, just a little one. James W gives a thousand yen, which is like 20p. And says, hey, Marty, just wanted to say thanks for spreading the word about Chance of Zenar. I ended up liking it a lot. Also, I vaguely remember you mentioning Rain Code a while back. What did you think? Uh, I'm glad you enjoyed Chance of Zenar. That's great to hear. Uh, I purchased Rain Code, but have uh, not really played it yet. Rain Code is a lot of the same uh, developers behind your favorite trilogy, Danganronpa. Again, a, I never know if, how sincere you're going to be when you talk about me f- having favorites. <laughs> because sometimes I talk about Silent Hill and Portal and Symphony of the Night, and other times I talk about Dagon Rombo, which you've never played. Um, oh, it's almost like we're game journalists or something. Yeah, almost. Uh, I have not. I have not played. Um, I've played barely any of Rain Code. Uh, I probably, if I'm being honest, I probably won't get to it till holiday break. Oh well. What am oh, I going to play this week? Hmm. We have... What's coming up soon? Mortal Kombat's coming up soon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty's coming up soon. I, Eliza P. I think I, you haven't played Eliza P. I don't do DLC. Um, yeah, I've played Eliza P. I'm work, that's the that's the review I'm working on now. You don't do DLC. Oh, El Paso Elsewhere's on the Steam account. I remember playing oh, that at GDC. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm reviewing... Uh, uh, a game called uh oh my god i already forgot the name of the game because the name of the game is kind of strange no sun to worship it's in is the that? account it is a very stripped down metal gear solid like it's almost like a handful of metal gear solid vr missions probably not worth a full zp or anything but speaking of stealth games um a really great atmosphere and uh well i guess i probably shouldn't spoil it because the embargo was not up but check it out no sun to worship eh no hmm. sun to worship. 
Ah, it is looking quite Metal Gear Solid-y. A short, minimalist, stealth-action game about the importance of art. Blech. He painted the sky ash gray, burned the heavens to starve each other. Now we walk in endless cemetery of regret. Well, I'm a stat blurb has just immediately turned me off the game, frankly. It's great. I can't say that yet because I haven't finished it. How how pretentious. Yeah. Gaze at that navel. I'd rather gaze at my navel than gaze at my bum. Well, El Paso, elsewhere it is for this afternoon, I suppose. You monster. <clears throat> oh, BS Marcus, $5, and says, The newest Stuff of Legends was excellent, and it was something that Yahtzee mentioned in a prior extra punctuation. I believe I did. No, I think I mentioned it in my zero punctuation on the World of Warcraft Corrupted Blood Plague. Oh, like you did it. Was that a ZP or was that just like a video where you were telling a story? I think that was a ZP, one of my uh, let's all laugh at an industry that never learns anything tee-hee-hee episodes. Mm. And that's they're uh, talking about last week's The Stuff of Legends, which was Carmageddon, wasn't it? Yes, Carmageddon. Well, I might have mentioned Yeah, I, I assume point. they're talking about World of Warcraft. Yeah, it's great. Okay, yeah. Available for members yeah, The now. new Stuff yeah. of Legends yeah. for members, we should say. Yeah, for the fancies. Yeah, which is on the subject of the World of Warcraft funeral crash. You probably should have. Yeah, I remember Don't saying have about a funeral that. in a war zone. I remember saying that uh, in that video where I mentioned it. I was saying, what the hell did you expect would happen? Yeah. I mean, you go up to trolls and say, hey, trolls, we're going to create an opportunity for you to do the most inappropriate thing you've ever done. Now, yeah. you must pinky promise not to do it. Yeah. Or we're going to be very cross, but otherwise have no ability to uh, create any additional consequences. Yep. I mean, really? Like, um, when my wife and I got married, our dog was the ring bearer, but he wasn't actually carrying the rings. I had had palmed them, and we just invited the dog over, and I put my hand in his pocket and pretended I was taking the rings out of there. Because I think I said to her beforehand cute as it would be to take the rings out of him if we then later have to tell a story about how we lost the rings because the dog ran off or ate them i feel like a large percentage of people we told that story to would say well what did you expect would happen (laughs) yeah it just seems like it's a recipe for a disaster oh gay bear bro also has been a member for 27 months in the tip jar and said haven't been on one of these in a while so i hope you're all doing well we Doing sure great. are. Doing, Doing better excellent. for the fact that we're uh, kind of done with this podcast. Because uh, that was all the Super Chats. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for all your money. So you we can it. make Nick play things that make him brick his pants. Oh, he's going to do, do a big two. Yeah, we're going to call him Nick the Brick. Oh. Because he'll be bricking it so much. Uh, so yes, uh, I was at Crucial, I was joined by Matty Sleever and Toffee the Wonder Dog. Yay! Uh, this week's Zero Punctuation of going out to members is on the subject of Bomb Rush Cyberfunk, you might be interested to hear. Uh, otherwise, you'll have to watch that dowdy old boring unpopular video about Starfield that no one's talking about. No one cares about that game anymore. Uh, yes. And then, of course, there'll be a new extra punctuation for members on Thursday. 
Nick, oh, Nick comes into the chat and says, Yahtzee talks a big game, but he did a big jump scare at GDC when he was playing Amnesia the Bunker. Well, maybe I was tired from running back and forth across San Francisco, Nick. Maybe that was it. I'm constantly startled, let me tell you. I am never scared, and I am just in a constant state of being startled by anything. But yes, new extra punctuation, which this week is on the subject of uh, traversal in games. Had to think about Uh, it for a second. Might I suggest a game called Sunset Overdrive? Might I suggest a game called Bomber Cyberfunk, which is much newer and more relevant. Nothing's more relevant than Sunset Overdrive. Uh, but uh, that's it for me. Besides Adventures Now, of course, going out on mm-hmm. Saturday, a new episode for members. Episode uh, five. If you're not if you're not a member, there is a new episode that came out at the weekend that if you haven't watched, what the hell are you doing? Your life is clearly falling apart without it. I believe Jack said episode five introduces a new cast favorite character. He's I, think that I, I think that was the episode that just came out. Oh, my mistake. Then. Publicly. Some episode. Yes, it certainly did. Uh, but that's it for me for this week. What else we got coming up on The Escapist? Excellent. Uh, we have uh, Hidden Gems later tonight is a game called Glitch Busters at the normal time. I don't know what Glitch Busters is. But well, that's why it's a hidden to- gem, I suppose. We're going to see if it's a hidden gem. Absolutely. I have also never heard of it. It apparently came out a few months ago. Um, normal streams uh, should be the rest of the week. We'll be doing a recap tomorrow at noon, talking about the One Piece show on Netflix. Spoilers, delightful. And I'm the world's number one One Piece fan now, so if anyone has any questions about One Piece relating to those eight episodes of a television series, I'm I hate I hate this these fucking anomalies. Oh my For God, the longest what? time, we had a, such a nice, consistent pattern. Stop making... Real world renditions oh. of classic cartoons. It's never got the same spunk or character or feeling. Disney should stop doing it and Netflix should stop doing it to animes. And now that we've got this one outlier come out that people actually like, and now we're just going to keep seeing more of the fucking things because of it. I welcome our new live action overlords. Um, this is going to absolutely be a bad set of bad precedents. <laughs> this is absolutely going to empower people to learn the wrong thing. It lesson. was already a bad precedent. That's my point. It's gonna be great. Um, Fucking then, yeah. Tomorrow, oh. my like know. my youngest just got really into Bambi, and you just know they've got their nasty little live action eye all over that at the moment. That's gonna be so brutal at the beginning, though. Um, that'll be sad. Not the beginning, uh, like the two thirds mark. Well, Bambi's mom gets killed in the beginning. Not the beginning. Quite a ways in. Have you not really? seen Bambi? Not since I was a kid, and remember how I forgot everything about Zelda from three months ago? That's what Bambi is for me. I don't have a memory of this stuff. Bambi's mom do doesn't that. die till like the two thirds mark. I don't, I Before that, they have an idyllic life where Bambi relies completely on his mum. I thought she gets killed at the beginning, and then there's a record scratch, and he says, "You're probably wondering how <laughs> I got here." And then, it, and then it goes back. Uh, uh, Nick will be doing be more laugh. Dark Souls too. Uh, yeah, we'll do we do in post CP on Starfield. Nick will probably be joining you for that, so that you guys can yell about Starfield. That'd be great. All the all the normal streams Thursday at noon. We'll be continuing our Zelda journey. Jesse's going through a link to the past. He's having a great time so far. First Zelda, not actually first Zelda game. Apparently, he played Ocarina of Time a long time ago. But other than oh. that, it's first Zelda oh. game. What a big lie to us. Lied to us. Uh, and then, uh, of course, check out uh, the new channel, uh, Stratos, 
Mm. that we launched last week. I put the link right there. That is our sort of experimental storytelling channel based around uh, big sci-fi and space-based video games. A couple videos already on Starfield, a couple more in the works. Check them out. The videos are wonderful. We have a lot of our new uh, video editors and, and, and producers and writers working on them, including Javed and Parks. They're great. I don't even care about Starfield, and I think the videos on that are great. And I have nothing to do with them, so I have no I have no skin in this game. Check it out. That's well, it. The end. After all that, that'll be it from us. Bye-bye, everybody. Have a good week. I'll bye see all. you all on Wednesday. Have a nice brick. And all that.